I thought it was interesting, you know, and Brian sharing, he really shared a great deal about the spiritual journey in many ways. And I think it's always important to understand what the spiritual journey really is. We go throughout our whole life just trying to figure out about the physical journey and how to do it and how to get it right and and all. And there's not just a lot of explanation in the world or clarity about what the inner journey is really all about. I know when I was a child, I was very interested in what that was about because I had a lot of inner experience, but I didn't have a lot of inner understanding of those experiences. And so uh, I went around and I actually went to different churches. I went to synagogue. I talked to a lot of different people. Uh, including ministers and rabbis and so on, trying to get understanding of what I heard, what I saw, what I experienced inside. And for the most part, they really didn't understand. They didn't know. Um, and, I, and it kind of made me wonder what the religions were about, what the these buildings were about, what the teachings were about when you would ask somebody a real question about an experience and they couldn't comment on the experience because they had never had anything like that. And um, where the journey really began for me, even though I had some experiences at five, at the age of seven, um, I was at a Sunday school. Um, I think it was a Methodist Sunday school. And um, they were teaching us to start memorizing verses from the Bible. And so we would do that every Sunday and go back and repeat them and, and learn them. And then we began learning the Lord's Prayer. And so uh, I remember going home and starting to practice memorizing the Lord's Prayer and just like you would do multiple multiplication tables or something, try to get it in here. And... I remember going over it again and again and again, and then I started repeating it at one time, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then I stopped right there. It was like, what? What does that mean? And I thought, I need to understand what this prayer means, not just be able to say it. So I got a dictionary out and started looking up the words the best I could at seven. And... I found that hallowed meant holy or sacred. And I thought, okay, so there's a sacred name I'm supposed to know. So that next Sunday, we went in and we were showing that we could memorize the prayer and all that. And then the minister came in and asked us if we had any questions about prayer or what we were doing with this prayer. And so several People, uh, several of the kids asked a question, and I raised my hand, and I said, so what is the holy name? What is the sacred name? And he goes, what? What are you talking about? And I said, well, it says it right in the very beginning of the prayer. Hallowed be thy name. What is that? What is the hallowed name? And he goes, wow, that's a question. <laughs> and... He avoided it. He kind of kept going around it. And I kept saying, could you just tell me the name? I just want to know the name. And he says, well, nobody's ever talked about the name of God. They, they say about the name of God, but they don't tell you what the name of God is. I would just say it's Jesus or God and leave it at that. So I tried that for a little while and it wasn't enough. I knew that there was a sacred name that I was to find that would open things up for me or give me clarity or whatever it would do. And so I began a real journey at the age of seven looking for this sacred name, trying to find it. And I talked to everybody. I went, uh, at the age of 10, I went to Trinity University and I talked to several of the teachers of philosophy there. And they were all like, who are you? <laughs> you know, you ask the strangest, most interesting questions. And, uh, but nobody really had a lot of answers. And it wasn't until uh, we moved, and I was very near a, a, a Jewish synagogue, and I sat down with the rabbi one, one day. And 
Um, and he was very fascinating. And he, he liked my questions, he understood my questions, and he could even talk about them. And uh, he shared with me the fact that the sacred name has always been the most important part of the Jewish tradition. But unfortunately, they have lost it. They don't really know for sure what the sacred name is. They know it was used, and they know it's there, but they do not really know today. And so um, I learned a great deal about all of that. And then when I was about 16 or 17 years old, I uh, met a man who was from India, and we started talking. And he didn't go into it. He just gave me a book, and he said, read this, and it'll tell you what you want to know. And I went, okay, finally. So I opened it up and I read the whole book and it talked about the sacred name and it really explained it in a way that I had never gotten an explanation before, but there was no name given. And I'm, I remember sitting there going back and forth, and where was it? It's gotta be here somewhere. <laughs> and I couldn't find it. So I went back to him and he says, well, for the sacred name, you really have to find somebody who knows it and can give it to you. And I said, well, who knows it? You know, how do I find that? And he says, that's for God to show you. You know, we all have a teacher that is going to teach us things that will make our lives better if we pay attention and we look and we listen and we put into practice that which they teach. And there are certain ones that have this sacred name that you're looking for that they will give it to you if you're ready. If you're not ready, then they won't. So I looked and I looked and had no idea where to find a, a teacher of the sacred name until I came across someone who was an initiate on a spiritual pathway and I had never really heard about initiates or initiation or anything before up until that point. And so she shared with me about her pathway and about how they received the sacred name. And that began to open a lot of doors for me. Now up until then, meditation, prayer was the most important thing in my life. I used to spend every afternoon after school between, sitting between my house and our neighbors because it was private right there. There were bushes all around and I could just have the privacy and the quiet. And I would just sit and talk with God and do my prayers. And I, right now I, I would call it meditation more than a prayer. But back then I didn't really know the word or the term meditation and practice when I was seven, eight, nine years old and um, I just considered it as a prayer. But it was really contemplating God, looking at God, thinking about God, longing for God, wanting to be merged into and, and in a sense return back into God because I just felt like I had been separated somehow and I wanted to get back there, but yet I, I couldn't quite find out how to do that. And I spent days and days and days and weeks and months and really years sitting and contemplating and wondering. And when I began to do that with this whole concept of the sacred name, I could feel the sacred, I could feel the holy, I could feel a presence in this energy about the sacred name, but I didn't have the name to open it up. And when I finally did receive the name, it really did open it up. This sacred name that is given in initiation, that is there for us to begin to really open into the truth of who we are as soul, does really open you up into the greater truth and the knowing of yourself. And it begins to assist you in one thing, and that is where to hold your attention. And that's a big factor in the world, and that's a big factor in a spiritual practice. Because the mind, the emotions, the imagination, and the body 
play a major role in our life. When our eyes are open and we're involved in the world, those are the elements that lead the way, that call and name the game, and that are ever attracting us into one thing or another. And we follow like little puppy dogs, just follow looking for the next treat, if we can find it. And so the sacred name for me was that element that lifted me above all those other things. It lifted me above the body consciousness, above the imagination, above the emotions, above the mind, and into something very different. And the difference was that there was no polarity, and there was just oneness, there was stillness, there was presence. And I realized that there are really two different creations. There's the physical world that we live in and that we so much are caught up in, and we believe in a way that this is it, and that's what the mind wants us to believe. And that's the world of polarity, positive and negative, right and wrong, yes and no. And we're ever caught up at this physical level in these polarities and they're ever pulling us, they're ever pushing us, they're ever drawing us, they're ever locking us into certain beliefs and concepts and challenges. And it's there for a reason, because it is the world of the right and the wrong. It is the world of polarity, and we are here to learn about ourselves in the world of polarity. That duality is a major process by which we can really come into the knowing of ourselves and to begin to wake up into the truth of who we are and let go of the fallacy the faults, the untrue of who we are. But it isn't until you can rise above that part of yourself that dwells and is caught up in the duality and wake up into that place of oneness within yourself that you begin to really understand who you are, separate from this world, separate from the duality. There's another part of you that is that oneness. And just as Brian was talking about the doorway that is here at the seat of the soul, Rumi calls it, says it in a poem, the door is round, the door is open, enter in, and there you will know the truth of who you are. And when you do, wake up, wake up, and don't go back to sleep. And what he is saying is that in order for us to really truly know the truth of who we are, We've got to go through the door. Here, Jesus said, knock and the door shall be open. Well, how do you knock? And how do you find that door? And when that door opens, what do you do? Do you go in? Where does it take you? I mean, there's a lot of things that you have to pay attention to and be aware of. Well, that sacred door is a spiritual door. It's not a physical door. It has nothing to do with the physical body or the physical consciousness. It's totally of spirit. And really knocking on that door is saying that sacred name, chanting that sacred name over and over and over. Knock, 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 knock. I know your name, God. Come and open the door. Come on, I know your name. And in a sense, it gets God's attention. And God begins to play with you in a way that God might not otherwise do so. If you're really just caught up in the mind, the emotions, the imagination, and the body. Because those qualities are ever drawing us down and out into the world. And that's what they're there to do. They're to draw the soul's attention down and out into the world to get caught up in the world. And by getting caught up in the world, that's how we learn our lessons. So there's nothing wrong with really being caught up in the world because the soul comes into this creation for one thing, and that is to learn, to experience, 
to grow and wake up to the truth of itself. And it's by getting caught up in the world of duality that we begin to see all the power that is within the soul itself pulled down and out and demonstrated in the world. And so let yourself be caught up in it if that's what is the moment for you to be in. But when that time comes, that it's time now to pull this energy inward and upward and return and bring back all your experience to the seat of the soul, that's another part of the journey. And that's a challenging journey in a way when you're in the world of duality because the world of duality, for the most part, does not teach anything about the inner journey. It doesn't teach about coming back into yourself and bringing everything here to that place where oneness begins to reveal itself to us. But at the seat of the soul, that's where we begin to be aware of our oneness and that which is the sacred. This body is not sacred. This world is not sacred. There is nothing sacred in this creation. This is all an illusion. Just like Rumi said, wake up, wake up, and don't go back to sleep. Don't go back into the dream. But rather wake up and stay awake. Awake to the truth, awake to the reality, awake to that which really is. Don't get caught up in the world of reflection, the world of illusion, the world of the dream. But there's a time when we need to be caught up in that in order to learn the lesson. But Rumi, as a spiritual teacher of his day who taught the sacred name, was telling his disciples, when it's time for you to wake up, wake up. And don't put your attention back into the world. Don't go back and get caught up in the world again. Don't go back to sleep and live the illusion. But come and wake up and stay awake. And that means now you place your attention in a different place. You're not caught up in giving attention to the lower. You're giving attention to the higher and to the true. And the higher and the true begins with understanding and clarity and experience here at the seat of the soul. That's where the door into the higher region is. And that's where we must now enter into once again to have the experience of the true. When you were born, at the very first breath that you took, your soul entered in that door and came to the seat of the soul right at the center of what you would say is the brain. It doesn't really sit in the brain, but the energetics is centered in the center of the brain area. And so when you took your first breath, that's when the soul came into the body. Not until then. And with that first breath, you now begin to live and dwell in the mind, in the emotions, in the imagination, and the physical consciousness. And so then your attention is, is attracted down, is pulled down into the world to have experience. And that's good. And when this experience, this life is ended, what happens? Well, I've worked with a number of people over the years as they were dying. And it's very interesting. Uh, the first person I ever worked with, <clears throat> I was a teenager, and I was in the room with them, and the nurse came in, and she walked in, and she went down and felt his feet. And that's all she felt, just his feet. And she began to leave, and I said, could I ask you a question? What were you just feeling his feet for? She said, well, that's how I'll, I'll know when he's going to die. And I go, what? She goes, yeah. The, the, the energy of the body, she didn't say soul, but the energy of the body begins to withdraw from the body from the feet and comes on up. And so the, 
the bottom extremities will get cold first. And that's how I know that that energy is withdrawing from them. And she said it's at the last breath that the, the head becomes cold. And until then, the energy is collected here at the top of the, of the head. And she said, but at the last breath, you can actually feel up here, and all of a sudden you can tell there's a temperature shift. And now you know they're gone. She never said soul. She just talked about the energy. And, and that's the truth. I have been with a lot of people, and it really is the truth of how this works. And I've also been very clairvoyant throughout my life, and I've actually watched the soul as it withdraws with that last breath. And it's quite interesting. And one of the most emotional things I can ever experience isn't the death when it leaves, but the moment I witness at a birth. I've been to several births, and when that first breath is taken and the soul comes in, wow, that to me is just precious. And I think I feel sorry. <laughs> I feel sorry for the soul because I know, oh my God, now you're trapped again. <laughs> but I also know that there's just something very precious about coming into the into the physical consciousness. And so, and it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch the coming in and the going out and know what really is taking place, and to be a part of that that journey and that experience. So. We don't have to wait to take the last breath to leave the physical body and to experience that other realm of existence beyond the physical. We can do that consciously right now while we're still in the body. We don't have to take the last breath to do it. But we have to bring our attention in the right direction to have the experience. And just like I said before, that down and out gaze is how we get involved in the world. Now we let go of the down and out gaze for a few minutes and bring our attention inward and upward. And the place we focus on is that seat of the soul because that's where the door resides, where we can now go through consciously while we're in the body and have experience of who we are beyond this body. And that's done through meditation. That's done by sitting down and going inside, holding our attention here at the seat of the soul, and begin to wake up. Wake up just like Rumi told his disciples, wake up and don't go back to sleep. Don't let your attention drop once again down into the world. Keep bringing your attention up. Well, how do you do that? You want to have something to hold your focus on, to keep your attention there, to begin to move into a new experience that you might not otherwise have. Because I'll tell you what, if you just hold your attention there, you'll last 30 seconds, maybe, if you're lucky, and then the mind is going to start talking to you. What are you doing? What a waste of time. Come on, let's get back down here and go do some things. You need to balance a checkbook. You've got to get to the grocery store. You've got to call all these people. Look, look at all the messages you've got. And, you know, it'll just do everything it can to pull you back down. And if it doesn't, the emotions will kick in. Could you believe how disturbed I was this morning when they said those things to me? and you did nothing, you've got to get that corrected. And your emotions will just get you caught up back in the emotional realm of your disturbances and your reactions. And then your creative imagination will come in and start creating all kinds of scenarios. Physical, sexual, energetic, everything will come up. And then the body will go, oh, my God, it's so hard to sit here still for so long. What are you doing? I itch. Come on, scratch, scratch. Come on. And you're trying to just be still. <laughs> so by having something to hold your attention to here 
it's, a, it's, it's easy to keep bringing your attention above the mind, above the emotions and all of that, and to really begin to see and know and feel and hear that which is up here and that is true. And once you begin to see, once you begin to hear, once you begin to feel, and once you begin to know, you'll know the difference between that which is true and that which is the illusion. You'll know. And I'll tell you what, the experience that you have, nobody can take away from you and nobody will be able to create doubt in you. You'll know. You'll know your truth. And maybe for the first time you'll begin to live your truth. I remember so clearly, I was in my teens and I realized one day, my mom had really taught me a lot, and my dad had too. And I was trying to live all these things that they taught me. The right and the wrong, do this, don't do that. You know, this will work, this won't. And I was applying all that. I was doing my best to do it my mom's way and my dad's way. And then one day I was sitting there, I was going, wait a minute. My dad told me this, my mom's telling me this. And they're two different things. They, I, I can't do it both ways. And I realized, I've got to find my own truth. I've got to stop living theirs. Because some of it works well and some of it doesn't. And so I had to begin to find my own truth. And that's really for, true for all of us. And until we find our own truth, we're not really going to be happy. We're not going to really be fulfilling our life the way we are intended to do here. And so, at some point in your life, you've got to let go of all that which the world has given you and find out out of all that, what's your truth? What is your truth by which you want to live by? Well, by going here to see the soul and begin to wake up beyond all that which is of the world and into that which is the true, which is your soul, essence of loving, you're going to find the truth of who you are. You're going to find how you want to live your life and express your beingness. And it'll be probably very different than everything that you've heard taught to you in the world. There'll be similarities, but it'll be very different because it'll be centered, it'll be balanced, it'll be loving, it'll be caring, it'll be peaceful, it will be creative, it will be dynamic, it will be enthusiastic, it will be so many things that is of the soul. And the soul is one, the soul is one. Down here, it's duality. But up here, there is no duality. There is just oneness. There is peace. God said, be still, be still. It's in that stillness that we find our peace, that we find our loving. And by holding your attention here to see the soul, you begin to have just that experience. So by having the sacred name or by having the spoken name of God that will help you to hold your attention here, you can begin to learn how to hold and wake up into that which is truly you, the soul. H-U, who, or hue, it's pronounced in two different ways. In the Far East, it's pronounced who, like W-H-O. In the Middle East and in the Western traditions, it's pronounced more who. I'm, I'm sorry, who. <laughs> I like who. Um, Hugh. Here's a good example. In the times of the philosophers of Aristotle, Plato, and so on, 2,500, 3,000 years ago, they came up with a term for who we are. 
who we in these bodies are. And so they, in, in the Greek philosophy, taught us that we are human. We are human. Well, look at the word, H-U-M-A-N, where Hugh, God, that's the sacred name of God, not an unspoken name of God, which is the most sacred, but it is a spoken name of God. And man, we are God in the body. We are God in man. We are the soul that is in the body. You man, you man. Man is a derivative of manus, which in Greek is mind. So we are the soul of God trapped or caught up in the mind. Boy, is that not the greatest truth to be aware of. And it's for us to free ourselves of the mind and once again know ourselves to be the true essence of God. And that's what meditation is, is to free ourselves of the mind. It's interesting, when the soul came into this world, the soul came down here to have experience because we were directed to, because this is a part of God's creation that we were called to come into, to have experience of God in this creation. But when we got down here, we're going around and it's, wow, it's, it's an all physical world. I mean, there's nothing spirit to feel and get caught up in. How am I gonna have experience here? I'm spirit and this is physical. And I can't experience the physical in my spiritual body. So what do I do? And the world said, oh, I've got an answer. I got a body for you. I got a mind. And that mind will be just so glad to take hold of you and take you into the creation and give you the experience of creation on all the levels that are here. And sure enough, we said, okay, Show me a mind and I'll, I'll follow along and have experience. Well, the mind didn't just take our hand and say, oh, come on. The mind wrapped around us. The mind totally engulfed the soul and began to attract the soul to look down and out into this creation. And in that, we lost sight of who we really are. We began to believe ourselves to be the mind, and we began to believe that all that existed was down and out, because that's what the mind told us and directed us to do. Down and out, that's the way to go. You want the answer? You want the truth? You want to find God? It's down and out. Let's just keep going down and out. We'll find it. It's somewhere around here. Let's see if we can find it. And before long, we forgot where we came from. We forgot that we are soul. And that we came from the realms of spirit and soul to come here to have experience. For the most part, a lot of people question if that's true. They can easily believe, oh no, I'm just the body. I'm just the mind. I'm just the world. And once I take that last breath, there is nothing there. I'm not going to have, there's no beyond. And that's what the mind would like you to believe. So, by chanting the who or the hue, you can begin to bring your attention here and hold it here so that you begin to collect all that which is of your soul essence that has been caught up in the material world and bring it back up here. It's not going to bring anything up here other than its own true nature. The hue is soul, essence. It's a soul vibration. It's the name of God at the soul level of the physical body. Not the soul level of the spiritual creation, but of the soul body. And so it's a way by which if we hold our attention on a hue, we can ben, begin to free up. Just like the nurse told me, the feet get cold, 
the legs get cold and so on, all the way up to the very top of the head, and then it gets cold. We can draw the soul essence without having to die from the body consciousness, from the body essence, and bring it here to see the soul. And then something amazing happens. Absolutely amazing. All of a sudden, the soul looks up because it has finally lifted itself enough out of the physical consciousness and out of the mind to know itself for what it really is. And the soul immediately looks up to its own true nature, which is spirit, which is God. And it looks back to its true home, which is in spirit. And it begins to take dominion over the physical body. And now the mind, the emotions, the imagination, and the physical body cannot hold it in prison the way it had because it has broken free in many ways. It's still not totally free, but it is getting free. And just by doing that with the hue, you can begin to experience that freedom. Now that's freedom, that's not liberation, but it is freedom. By having the sacred name that is given an initiation, which is an unspoken name, it's the hallowed name in the Lord's Prayer, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's given through the sacred name. And that's where we begin to truly wake up and live into the divinity that we are, into that divine loving essence. I've always said since I was a child that I am a soul and I am the living, loving essence of God. My soul is the living, loving essence of God. And that has been true every day of my life. I know that to be the truth. That's who I am. And I know that that's the truth of everybody. We are all soul. Some of us know it, some of us don't. But I also know that we are all one in that living, loving essence of God. We are all one. There is no separation. We are the first light of creation, and it is one. We are that. All we have to do now is wake up to that again. And this process of chanting the hue and getting the essence of the soul freed up of the physical and chanting that sacred name and allowing the soul now to begin to go out of the body consciousness and have true experience in the realms of spirit. Out-of-body journey is not really about, let's go travel through the astral realm, let's take a trip in the physical and go over to Paris and see the Eiffel Tower. And for a lot of people, that's what they think of as out-of-body experience. Well, what does that get you? Not a whole lot, other than maybe a little bit of relaxation, a nice little free vacation. <laughs> but it doesn't really get you a lot. But if you can truly get out of body, in other words, your soul can let go of the body totally and begin to go back into experiencing itself in its true nature of spirit and travel in spirit and begin to wake up into the truth of itself in all those realms above, then that's a journey. And that's a wonderful journey to take. And that's what we're here to do. In the Bible, one of the disciples wrote, if you're going to worship God, know this, God is spirit. And if you truly are going to worship God, you as spirit have to go up and worship him where he resides, in the spirit. And that's the truth. If you really want to worship God, if you really want to love God, if you want to really be in God's presence, it's wake up beyond all of this and really go forward in spirit and worship God.
And that's true meditation. That's true spiritual journey. And that's what Rumi was saying when he was saying, wake up, wake up, and don't go back to sleep. Don't go back into the body and get caught up. Once you get the soul freed, you get the freedom by being here, don't go back and get yourself trapped once again. But rather, take that essence of freedom that you've gained and liberate the soul from this physical consciousness fully so that the soul is free to go and come as it wants and that at death it goes and it doesn't ever have to come back into this physical creation again. That's liberation. And that's what the path of sound and light is all about. That's what the sacred name is all about, is liberating the soul, not just giving it freedom, but liberating it. Now, some people get upset with me when I talk about this because they like this physical world. It's beautiful. I have so many experiences. I love this place. That's good. Then stay focused down and out and go do it. Do it to the fullest. Have all the experiences. Learn all the lessons. But there will be a day when your soul will go, oh my God, I've had so much of this. I'm so tired of it. I don't like having to repeat the lessons over and over and over when I don't need them. Why do I have to keep repeating them? Well, because you're looking in the wrong direction. And this world is a world of repetition. If you haven't figured it out, pay attention and figure it out. It's a world of repeat, repeat, repeat. But when we're ready and God begins to call us home, just like Brian said, you might even hear your name called, that's the voice of God calling you home. Come home now. You've done it. You've done it. You don't need to do it anymore. Let go of the world and let's go home. Let's go back to the realms of spirit and continue the journey in a new way, in a wonderful way. That's soul liberation. The soul has to liberate itself from this prison, this land of bondage, and free itself once again and return back from which it came. Just as it said, the body will return to the earth from which it came, ashes to ashes and dust to dust. So the soul will return back from which it came. The essence of loving will return to the truth of all loving, which is God. And that's liberation. To be liberated and not have to come back here anymore and continue the journey in the realms of spirit in new ways. And you'll find that what you've been doing throughout eons of time is you've just been walking through the Garden of Eden that is really in the realms of spirit, not in the physical. And you've just been going around as God directed us. He said, here, go and take of all these trees, the fruit of their bearing, and eat of them. But of this tree, don't eat the fruit. Because this tree is the tree of good and evil. This is the tree of polarity. And you don't want to take a bite of that fruit. Because if you do, I'm not even going to begin to describe it. You'll find out for yourself. Well, what's the one thing you don't want to tell a child? Don't do that. Don't do that. Oh, I got to do it. I just got to find out why I'm not supposed to do that. We're the ones that went over and took the fruit and said, okay, God says the world of polarity, the world of good and evil, the world of knowledge. Ooh, knowledge. What's knowledge? Let's go find out. And we took a bite, and here we are. We're the ones that fell into this creation to have experience here by our own choosing. We took a bite of the fruit. God's going, no, 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 not that tree, not that tree. Don't you hear me? Yeah, 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 I know, not the fruit. <laughs> and sure enough, here we are. 
Now it's about liberating the soul, doing what we can to get the soul out of this creation, but take all the experience we've had with us. If we came down here for a reason, which we did, that was to have experience, and now it's time to return with experience. And it makes the soul fuller in its own presence in God. God wants to learn about his creation. And so he has sent the soul out into all of his creation to experience it. There's two creations in the Bible listed. The first creation is the creation of the spiritual realms. And they were complete and whole and perfect. And then there was the void. There was nothingness, the void. It's not just this earth. The void is a huge other creation that hadn't taken place yet. The energy was full of potential in this void, but it had not come into manifestation yet. And it still hasn't. Believe it or not, this is the void. This is the realm of nothingness. There's nothing here. Hello, there's nothing here, but it sure does feel like something's here. But there's nothing. And that's what we have to come to, uh, to awake and understand and know and let go of. You're holding on to nothing. You're holding on to the illusion, not the real. Now, I'll tell you something that you'll find very interesting. You want to know what dark matter is? You want to know what dark energy is? It's nothing. It's absolutely nothing. Dark energy and dark matter is the membrane of the physical creation, the second universe that hasn't come into manifestation yet, that is full of potential. And the energy of nothingness is full of potential, waiting for the day that God says, and let there be. And then the true creation of this level will come about. But not until then. If that's the case, though, what is all this? Why is all this? Now, I'm giving you a long story, and I'm kind of going all over the place, but it, this is stuff that's interesting, and this is stuff that I wanted to understand when I was a kid so bad. And nobody, but nobody would answer anything for me because they didn't know. I actually had a minister tell me one time, he gave a great sermon in this church. It was a Baptist church, and he gave this great, great sermon. I was so excited because I thought, oh my God, he understands things. And I went up and waited and waited for him to, you know, send everybody off for the day after church and, you know, do his greeting and everything, and I'm standing there, standing there. And finally he turns to me as the crowd's really winding down, and he goes, where are your parents? Why aren't you going on? And I go, because I have a question. And he goes, well, you're going to have to wait. I've got to, you know, get all these people out. So let your parents know, well, my parents weren't there. My dad would drop me off at the churches. They never attended them. <laughs> they didn't ever, ever attend church except two times in my life that I know of. And, um, and that's a whole other story. But so they would just drop me off and pick me up. And so I'm standing there, and finally he turns to me, he goes, okay, come on, let's go inside and sit down. And so we went inside, and I asked him, I asked him my question, and I said, I, you know, you, you understand something, and I need to understand it and find out where you got the understanding from. And so I asked him the question, and he looked at me, and he said, well, why do you think I know the answer to that? And I go, because you were talking about it up there. And he goes, he got his book out and was going through what he had said in the sermon. And he goes, well, yeah, I guess I did. 
But to tell the truth, I get my sermons out of different books of sermons. And I can't say I'm really always talking about what I've experienced or what I know. I'm just doing things to inspire people and to help them, you know, hold to their faith. And I go, so you don't know? And he goes, well, I don't really think I have an answer for you. And I was so heartbroken. I just wanted so bad for somebody to <laughs> have an answer of some kind. So the whole idea behind dark energy and dark matter is the scientists are really searching diligently to understand because they think if they can figure that out, then they're going to understand how this creation came into being. What they're really going to figure out is that it's the void. There's nothing here. And they've already started to believe that in some ways because they have witnessed in this creation how things come into manifestation and out of manifestation and into manifestation and out of manifestation. And they've witnessed that in different uh, subatomic particles and on up. And they've actually witnessed the re-manifestation and, and the solution of it instantly at times. So they already understand that there's something about whatever that is that's beyond it that carries that membrane of action and, and reaction that they're witnessing. So what we want to do is we want to break free of the illusion. We want to break free of that membrane of the void. Now, it's very interesting. This all came into being because of us, the soul. I said earlier, one of the aspects of the soul is it's creative. It's very, very creative. And it creates with loving because the true essence of the soul is loving. So anything that we really create is created out of the movement of loving. And in order to create in this level of creation, we reach into that element of energy that things can come into creation, can come into manifestation, and we have created here. We as soul came into this creation of our own volition, and we as soul came into this creation and found, wow, there's nothing here, this is boring. All that's here is the reflection of that which is in the soul realm and spirit. But I, it's not real. So what we did is we took out of the void the energy of, with our creative potential and loving, and we infused that element of the void energy with our loving and with our creative potential, and we manifested what we saw in the reflection of the realms above. But a reflection is not perfect. It never will be perfect. But it's sometimes it's almost close to perfect. But we've also gotten a lot of things wrong, and that's why things are such a mess here. Because we think, well, I think this looks like that. I think it's this color. You know, I think this is what it's supposed to do. Well, when you start thinking, you're in trouble. <laughs> and when you're trying to create in this void of a universe something and you're thinking about it, you're going to be in big trouble. And that's why this creation is so off-center. And part of it, too, is that this is a world of polarity. Didn't God say, oh, that's the tree of good and evil, of right and wrong? It's polarity. It's two qualities, not one. And in that, you get this imbalanced energy moving back and forth, right and wrong, left and right. So it's important to pay attention and realize that in order for us to truly know the truth of who we are, we have to rise above the illusion of who we are. This is all an illusion. And this is all a part of the world of duality, which is the illusion, the tree of good and evil. And it's for us to rise above that 
by chanting the who or the hue, by chanting that sacred name that's given an initiation, and begin to wake up to the truth of who we are above the illusion, and then to begin to live that in a way that gives us freedom from this creation, and then begin to hold our attention to that which we are in God, and for us to go to that, rather than back into this world. And that's the out-of-body journey of the soul, returning home to God, returning home to the realms of spirit. Now in all that, there's a lot I said. And the main factor of it all is for you to remember who you really are. And if you don't remember, get to remembering. Do the meditation. Go inside and chant the hue or the anti-hue. Anti-hue or anihu in, in Hebrew, anihu in uh, Eastern terms is meaning I am. It just means I am God. Ani in Hebrew is I am. Who is God? I am. This is who I am. So you can chant just God or you can chant I am God. And in that term, the who or the hue or the anihue or the anihu, then you carry, it's got a vibration, a frequency in it that will wake you up into that element that the frequency harmonizes with inside of you. And that's what the sacred name is all about that's given an initiation. It carries a vibration. It carries a frequency that will wake up inside of you the truth of who you are at those levels where the frequencies are asleep right now. You can wake them back up and begin to live and know and be in that which you truly are and know it. Not just wonder about it, not just read about it, just think about it, but know it through your own personal practical experience. So that's what this pathway is about. It's about waking up into the truth of who you are in God and liberating the soul so that it no longer has to reincarnate into this creation of duality and get trapped up again. And it can. It really can. And that's what you want to be careful with. In this pathway, we want to get above the frequencies of this world and not let it re-entrap us. And it can. I've walked with souls when they have left the physical body to take them as high as they can go. Well, you'd be surprised how high they can't go because they're still so attached to the world. But my dog, oh my God, all my money. Who's getting my money? I didn't write her will. Oh my God, who's going to get it? You know, I mean, you'd be surprised what people will do when they die and all of a sudden they realize they're leaving all of this stuff behind and they can't take it with them and they can't control it anymore. The key is, for right now, in this lifetime, is detach. Detachment. Let go. Let go of the elements of this world. They're illusion. They're not real. They seem real. They seem very important. But let go of them. And attach yourself to God. Attach yourself to your own soul. Attach yourself to that movement of the true loving. And rise upward rather than being drawn back down again. And so we want to go just as high, as high as we can in our meditative practice, in our daily life. We want to hold our attention in God as much as we can, in our own soul as much as we can, so that when we do die, we just go there and on up and continue the journey. And we don't have to come back down here because of, oh, I've got to go back down and see what happens to my dog. Well, who got my money? I'm going to go find out, and I'm going to get it back. 
And I've seen that happen. I mean, it's funny, but I have seen that happen. That souls are actually just drawn right back down into reincarnating back in the world again because of that. When they could have gone higher. They didn't have to return, but they didn't do the work. And they held on to the world and came back. The attraction, the law of attraction. So what are you attracted to? Are you attracted to God? Are you letting God attract you back into God? Or are you still attracted to the world and doing the world? There's nothing wrong with that. Do the world if that's what you want to do. It's a wonderful place to have experience, but it's a terrible place to call home. It really is, when this isn't your true home. Your true home is in spirit. Your true home is in soul. It's not here. And if anything you take out of this talk today with Brian and myself, that's what I want you to begin to look at if you haven't. Look at and see what is it you're focused on? What are you living for? What are you holding to? What are you allowing yourself to stay trapped in? and free yourself up. Why hold on to an illusion only to find out when you die it's not there, it's gone. Oh my God, I thought that was real. All these years I've spent holding on to that. And now I can't find it because it's not real. Hold on to the real. Hold on to the true. You as soul God, that's the only thing that's real. There's nothing else that's real.